Hello friends, Merry Christmas, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. The following message, delivered by the Rev. Dr. John Guest, is a continuation of our Insta Christmas series and is our Christmas Day message. Thank you for listening. Well, welcome. I join my words to uh, Pastor Barris and say how great it is for us on this Christmas morning to be together here around the Lord's table with one another and to celebrate in this uh, lovely fashion our Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth. Right now, even as uh, I say these words, I, in my mind's eye, see him walking amongst us, coming to visit with each one of you. He knows your deal. He knows where you're coming from what you're dealing with, what your family is, what your Christmas is, what your life has been. He knows you. Knows that little baby too. Well, let's uh, talk to him a moment and then we'll come to his word. Oh Lord Jesus Christ, as you walk amongst us and visit with us, Give us that intimate sense that you are here for us, loving us as much right now as when you left the glory of heaven and took on our form and came as one of us. Thank you for that great love. We pray again, Lord, that you would take my lips and speak through them that you would take our minds and think through them, that you would take our wills and bend them to your own, and that you would take our hearts, Lord Jesus, and set them on fire with love for yourself. We pray this for your name's sake. Amen. Well, let me just mention that as you take this service sheet that you have in your hand, which I'd like you to do, and take out the hymns and prayers in the middle and then open it up, you will see the scripture passage, our gospel, that uh, we will be speaking from this morning. So as you do that, then you can follow along as I allude to it. Let me first tell you that on December... The 17th, in 1903, can you believe that when I tell you what it is? Orville and Wilbur Wright were able to keep their hand-built airplane in the air for 59 seconds. As you know, that is the beginning of all flight as engineered by humankind. That 59 seconds heralded jet flight, space flight, all sorts of amazing things in the air. Well, in their excitement, and immediately, they sent a telegram to their sister back in Dayton, Ohio. It read, First sustained flight today... 59 seconds. Hope to be home for Christmas. 
Their sister was so excited by the good news that she took the telegram to the editor of the local newspaper. And the next morning, to her surprise, the newspaper splashed out the news in this bold print. Popular local bicycle merchants. Let me say that again. (laughs) Popular local bicycle merchants to be home for the holiday. The biggest news of the time passed Dayton by. They missed the historic moment. And can you believe that there are tens of millions of people running around in the USA today and they miss Jesus? Celebrate Christmas, but miss Christ. And obviously that's not you. You're up and out on Christmas morning and here at Christ Church. You are here because it is Jesus you want to celebrate. So what a celebration it is. If you turn to with me this passage from Matthew chapter 2, you will see there one part of the drama. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Now just that simple phrase, after he was born. Because it's going to move on here. But in Luke's gospel in particular, there's the magnificent display of angelic choral music announcing to the shepherds that the Messiah has been born. And that uh, if they make their way to Bethlehem, they will find the babe there lying in the manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That would be the sign to them, a baby in a feeding trough, in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes. Uh, They took off and found it just as it had been described. But the song of the angelic host, as with the visit of the archangel Gabriel to Mary, described who it was, not just as Messiah, but as God, very God, as we have said in the creed. God himself in the flesh, born amongst men. His name, Emmanuel, God with us, fulfilling the prophecy of Isaiah. God with us. And you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Emmanuel, Jesus, which literally means Savior. And this, as a miraculous act of God by his Holy Spirit, so that Jesus was born of Mary, but God himself fertilizing that little egg, and God himself forming in the womb, in the body of Jesus. That amazing scene. So Matthew simply says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod. Now, just to mention Herod for us, 
is to give it a sort of a historical placement. But it's amazing how little Herod is really known amongst our present generation for the ugly, wicked, evil man he was. Can you imagine this? He executed one of his wives. He assassinated three of his sons. He did this because he was that temperamental and was very paranoid. So any suspicion, and he came down with wrath. Caesar Augustus said of him, it is safer to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. He so understood what an evil man he was. So that's the Herod spoken of here. And Magi were like Persian soothsayers, stargazers. The Magi came from the east to Jerusalem. And that would have created a stir the arrival of the Magi, clearly different than the regular Israeli people there, the children of Israel. If you go to Bethlehem today, there is a church built over the site where Jesus was born. And it is one of the very few churches that survive the destruction reaped by the Persians in the 4th and 5th centuries, destroying all the churches that were built because they were just sweeping through and trying to eradicate Christianity. But when they came to that church in Bethlehem, they left it standing. It's one of the few ancient churches dating all the way back to the 4th century which is when churches first got built. Prior to that, the churches met in homes because the church was persecuted and not accepted as legitimate, fiercely opposed and sought to be destroyed. But after Constant's time became a Christian and he, the emperor of Rome, his mother, who was a believer and had been praying for him, began to build churches using all the wealth of her position on sites where Jesus had been in Israel. One of them in Bethlehem built a huge church over the site where Jesus was born. And it wasn't destroyed because along the right-hand wall as you go in, is a massive mural of the Magi. And when the Persians came and rode into that church on their horses to destroy it, they saw people who looked just like themselves. And they left the church standing. It's one of the the sort of little mini miracles of history. That original church with what the Magi would have looked like. 
to the eye of the people of that generation. And so the church survived. But when these Magi arrived in Jerusalem with Herod as king, it created something of a stir, and especially with the message they had. They were asking this question, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now again, amazingly, throughout the, uh, the known world, the Roman Empire in those days, there was a word out amongst the people spoken of, sometimes whispered because of how dangerous it might be even to imply it, that there was a king to be born who would be a ruler, a very famous ruler throughout the world as it was known. Let me quote William Barclay, an authority on this particular piece of history. It may seem to us extraordinary that those men, the Magi, should set out from the east to find a king. But the strange thing is that just about the time Jesus was born, there was in the world a strange feeling of expectation of the coming of a king. Even the Roman historians knew about this. Not so very much later than this, Suetonius would write, there had spread over all the Orient an old and established belief that it was fated at that time for men coming from Judea to rule the world. That's quoted in the life of Vespasian. Tacitus, well-known Roman writer, tells us the same belief that, to quote, there was a firm persuasion that at this very time the East was to grow powerful and rulers coming from Judea were to acquire a universal empire. And the Jews that uh, had the belief that about that time from their country would come a governor of the habitable world. That's a quote from Josephus, another historian. So here come the Magi. They have seen a star rising and have been following that star in their way understanding that this king would be born. And they arrive in Jerusalem following that star and ask the question, where is he, this king, to be born? So when Herod heard this, verse 3, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, so he went to the religious elites, the professors and leaders of the Jewish faith, and asked them where the Messiah was to be born. They said, in Bethlehem in Judea, for this is what the prophet has written. 
And here they quote Micah, an 8th century prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So they were clear, understanding that the babe would be born in Bethlehem. That's where the Messiah would come from. So, and what's amazing when I first went to Israel is to discover that Bethlehem is a very short distance from Jerusalem. In terms that we will understand, it's about halfway between here and Pittsburgh would be Bethlehem. About six miles from Jerusalem. So off went the Magi to Bethlehem. And when they arrived there, the star they had been following lit up from the sky this scene of the baby with Mary and Joseph. So he called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared and then sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, Report to me so that I may go and worship him. Of course, the paranoid king had no intentions other than to destroy that baby, that potential king. So they took off as they did to find the baby. And after they had heard the king and went on their way, the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. They came and worshipped. And interestingly, those three gifts, the gold representing a gift for a king, the incense, the priestly office of Christ, and the myrrh, that which would be wrapped around the dead body to preserve it in his being laid in the tomb, his death, his kingship, his priesthood, his sacrificial death, represented in the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And they worshipped him. And here's the, the amazing thing. Herod, who got the same information, sought to get rid of Jesus. The religious leadership who understood the prophecies concerning the Messiah did not go to find the baby and worship him. But these Persian Gentile, they were not Jews. 
They were not people of that historic faith, our faith. They went, found him, and worshipped him. They've been alluded to as wise men, and you've often seen the slogan, wise men still seek him. But to have all this information concerning the Messiah, the birth of the baby Jesus, and to miss it, what a tragedy. The gift to us of Jesus is a gift that's real and in our time. One of the hymns we have sung, one of the carols we have sung, happens to be a favorite of mine and Pastor Barry's and maybe yours. In the bleak midwinter, frosty winds made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow. Snow upon snow. In the bleak midwinter, long ago. As a lad growing up, I learned the carols. I used to go singing the carols from door to door. And uh, I occasionally would be given some money for doing so by the occupant. And that's why I was going from door to door singing carols. I had a sweet little voice. The only reason I didn't sing in one of those sweet boys' choirs is but my reputation preceded me to the minister in our parish and he didn't want me in his boys' choir. But I could go from door to door and sing all the carols. I've been singing another one to myself in the last several days. Once in Royal David City, it's not sung much by Americans, I almost want to sing it for you but that would be miserable. So once in Royal David's city stood a lonely cattle shed where a manger laid her baby, where a mother, excuse me, laid her baby in a manger for his bed. And it goes on to describe that. And I could sing that all the way through. I learned that in singing those words, you can have the words and the beautiful melodies and sing them well enough to have money given to you. You'd sort of sing three or four carols, knock on the door, sing another carol, and they'd come to the door and give you some money. I remember one particular evening being very, very successful and going home with quite a handful of cash. But that was significant to me because I was a poor kid. My dad was dead. My mother was trying to take care of three boys, of which I was the oldest. And we were poor. And I really identified with the idea, the poverty of Jesus in his birth. The bleak mid-winter scene. His being born in a stable because there was no room in the inn. Smelly shepherds being the first to come and worship him. And then the three wise men coming with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And how strange it was that a little baby born in poverty in such humble circumstances would draw such amazing attention. Angels we have heard on high singing, what is it, brightly through the night? 
O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant, come ye to Bethlehem. I could sing all that and had that feeling of one who was identifying with the poverty and aloneness and bleakness of what should have been a wonderful birth and a magnificent celebration. We have made it that. But I remember hitting adolescence, moving from Oxford, my hometown, to London, and the Christmas season being joyfully celebrated in all the store windows, lit and beautifully presented with all kinds of gifts and opportunities for presents. And I was 16 at the time. I had learned something about the Christian faith from a friend who had talked to me about it. I knew that Jesus loved me enough to die for me personally. I found that out. I found out that when he died on the cross, he paid for my sins. I didn't know that. I found out that uh, three days after they killed him, he walked out of the grave alive. I didn't know that. It's amazing that I could hit adolescence in England and not know those things. I knew he died on a cross. I knew that much. I knew nothing about the resurrection. I knew nothing about the incarnation. Though I could sing the words in the carols, which are magnificent, and point to Jesus being God and being our Savior and coming for us personally. Even the hymn playing off of the words that there was no room for him in the inn. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There's room in my heart for thee. I would sing that and I had no idea. It amazes me even today that there was the disconnect between those magnificent words of truth and the reality of them just in my own mind, let alone my heart. The unreality of them was missed. Excuse me, the reality was missed. It was just an unreal set of words that I was singing. Till I ran into the chap as a teenager. Now I'm in London, walking through the streets, everything looking bright and spectacular and lonely. And in the bleak midwinter was how I felt then. Because I hadn't come to know Jesus personally. And everything that I've been saying now, I've sort of grasped along the way. As once I got to know Jesus personally, like the shepherds, I wanted to tell everybody I knew about him. And as most of you know, if you worship here regularly, that happened with my listening to an American, Billy Graham, preaching in London. From that moment on, Christmas always was a wonder to me and still is. That God himself, if I put it in personal terms, you can do it for yourself. That God himself came personally to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. Lived those 33 years and died on the cross so that I might be forgiven 
filled with his spirit, born again and made new, and know that heaven was my home for sure when I die. And even between that coming to know him and dying, that my life would be of consequence for him. Because he was in my life. And therefore through my life, would live out his desire and will for my life. So I had a sense of destiny about my life here and a sense of destiny with the destination of heaven awaiting me, all because of God coming as we celebrate at Christmas and being born the baby Jesus to become our Savior and Lord. And what I've described in this Magi event, they're coming and seeking out Jesus. And the understanding of the religious leadership of his day, that Bethlehem was the scene where he would be born. And that as we have further gathered along the way, all that that represented for us this morning, it is a real celebration one by one, for Jesus coming to us, one by one. So we don't want to miss even the opportunity right now to speak to him. So let me ask you to bow your heads with me. In just a little while, we will be coming to the Lord's table. You will kneel and receive the bread and the wine, the emblems of his dying love for us. And you will come one by one, as if kneeling before him, to receive the bread and the wine. His body and blood, the expression of his dying love for you. Take a moment with me and speak to him just for yourself. I will pray in the first person so that my prayer is not just my prayer, but your prayer as well. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming to earth for me. Thank you for the gift of eternal life that you came to bring. Thank you for paying for that gift on our behalf that we might receive you as a gift into our lives. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for you. Fill me with yourself. Drive out the darkness and the doubt and the pain and the despair and the disappointment. All marks of my sin and my failure and the failure of others around me. All that is released in me by way of distress and pain. Cleanse me, Lord. Forgive me. Heal me. Restore me. Fill me. Fill me with your joy, with yourself. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me and coming to me this morning. 
and reassuring me of your love for me. I simply surrender to you, give myself to you. I am yours, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the miracle of this moment. Reliving with you the gift you came to bring. The gift of eternal life. Thank you, Lord Jesus.